You're having a threesome with Jennifer Golden, Lauren Leonelli, and Rob Evers. And now, it's complicated. Hello, Master Daters. Welcome back for another episode of It's Complicated. The struggle is real when you're dating in the city. I'm Jen. And I'm not Jen. And I am Rob. So you know how you ask your friends where you should take your first date? What on earth this text means? And if it's okay to post a certain pic on the socials? Well, that's what we call your village, and we think you can't date or relate without them. Welcome to our village, and you should be pumped to be here because we are bringing you expert guests who are filled with all the answers that will take some of the guessing out of the game. Make sure you subscribe and share our podcast with your friends so we can help the village grow even bigger. You can find us at It's Complicated Podcast wherever you get your pods, and don't forget to tell a friend. We all want some sort of structure in our lives. Some need structure. Others try their hardest to avoid it, but ultimately can't live without it. Whether it's eating dinner at a specific time, turning into your favorite TV program, or just making sure to follow your favorite celebrity influencer on social media, we all need something to keep us on track. And just because you crave structure, does that mean that you're coachable? Are certain people able to let go and let people in more than others? And as far as dating goes, What people do you trust? In a world filled with so many experts and quote-unquote professionals, how do we know who is best to help us and lead us to our better selves? Jen, you're a person who craves structure, but do you think that you're coachable? Like, what would it take for you to let go and let somebody help you to become the best version of yourself? And if somebody were to have a class that they say can help you, a master class, if you will, that could help you get to a certain point where dating would be a lot easier and help you clear out some of the clutter in your foundation, would that be something that you would be able to take and do and listen to? So yes, the answer is yes to all things. I am coachable. And the reason for that is because I want information. I actually want solutions. Any way to better my life I'm in, sign me up. Obviously, I'm not going to join a cult. But if there's a version where I could go into like a cryotherapy lab and come out a better dater, a better everything, I'm like, let's go. Beam me up. But I think, you know, going back to who we go to for that kind of thing, we have this show for the reason that we're so interested in learning from all of these people. And, you know, some resonate with you more than others and some resonate with me more than others. I think just like dating, finding your guru, let's just say, is also really subjective and it's a chemistry thing and it also is a relatable thing. So what's important to me right now might not also be what's important to you right now. You're doing a whole thing on getting your security back and feeling the best about yourself and whatever it takes to get you ready to start dating. Whereas I'm like, okay, how do I navigate the dating world that exists and all of its parameters and the dating apps and the new ways people do things and the new ways people don't do things and figuring out that protocol and fitting in within that confine. So I am a structured person and I think the fact that the dating world keeps changing is really hard for me. And I'm just trying to find like a direct path to, okay, be introduced to somebody, go on dates, end up in a relationship with them. So however I get there, maybe it's a masterclass. I'd love that. Let's go. You just want things now. Like that's, if any, if I'm learning something from this podcast with you is that you want shit now. The time that you get more frustrated is like when we have psychics on, they don't tell you now when you're going to have your husband now, like, how's it going to happen? Tell me now. Or 
if you know there's the shortcuts to having stuff done now <laughs> you're well, ready which so is much- good it's not the now and it's not that I'm impatient. I just want to know steps. I need tangible steps. Like But what if somebody told you that you have to go What if somebody told you that you're here, you're at you uh, you, you you think you're at step your step 7 and they're like, "Well, you fucking skipped 2 and 3." So now you have to go back and go to 2 and 3, relearn that and then 4, 5 and 6 are going to look a hell of a lot different, so you have to do those steps too. So now you have to go back and do all this shit. Would you be like, mm, no, fuck you. I already, I already was at two and three. I know what I'm doing. Or would you say, okay, I'm coachable. I need this learning. So I'm going to go back to two and then start again, even though that might make me 39 by the time I meet somebody or 38. Well, I didn't love the numbers you threw out, but yes. Everybody I knows how old you are, Jen. <laughs> I know. It's just like when I hear it out loud that I could be starting at that point. Yeah, it does freak me out. I don't want to be, you know, getting back into the dating world at that point. Or because when you think about it. No, you, you would be, you'd be finished at that point. It just wouldn't be April or it wouldn't be, or, or it wouldn't be, you know, November. Yes, I, I would prefer it sooner than later because I'm a female and also the biological clock ticks. And when you start dating somebody, you then have to get through all of the like, you know, getting to know you stuff before you get serious, before you move in, before you potentially get engaged, before you get married. And I would like to do things in that order. But also, if we do them out of order, it is what it is. The path has changed and I am here for whatever path is mine. Well, today's path, I am signing up for our guests masterclass. She is Tori Gordon, and she is going to take us through all of the steps to get to a relationship first with ourselves, then with others, and with the divine. We are going to break codependent patterns. We're going to stop attracting emotionally unavailable people. We are going to figure out the pros and cons of dating in 2022, why those red flags are things we need to stay away from and how to identify them. And also, We're going to learn what the heck men want and what is healthy masculinity, because it seems to have changed given all these things with gender roles up in the air. Especially since she is one of TikTok's top 100 female creators and is an award-winning content creator, trauma-informed breathwork facilitator, and master coach whose mission is to guide people and organizations to their highest potential and fullest expression. I will be guided. I might not get there, but maybe I'll got it. Well, Tori is the founder of Coachable LLC, and she believes that coachability is the biggest indicator of long-term success and the most undervalued skill we can acquire. So maybe, Rob, what you're telling us is you're not coachable. But through her engaging content, transformational speaking, highly experiential workshops, and integrated approach, Tori uses these and other spiritual principles to help those who have been suffering in silence release themselves from their mental prisons and catalyze massive breakthroughs. Today, Tori Gordon's work reaches nearly 1 million people worldwide and has been seen on major media outlets like NBC, Fox News, Boo, CBS, Yahoo News, and Business Insider. Tori is also the host of the Coachable podcast, which ranks in the top 1.5% of global podcasts worldwide, sharing practical advice to help you unlock your inner champion goals. There's goals right there. 1.5. Let's get to that. As a widely sought after mental health influencer, she works with international brands like Nature Made and BetterHelp, helping them spread their mission-driven messages with confidence and authenticity. 
She was also named one of the top 10 female mindset coaches by Yahoo News in 2020. She's here to help us deepen our understanding of relationships with ourselves, others, and the divine. Welcome to the show, Tori. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. We are very excited to have you. Where are you joining us from? Yeah, you're traveling, right? I am. I'm currently in Las Vegas, Nevada. And Never I've, heard of it. Yeah, it's a it's a happening place, let me tell you. Um, I've been here for about two weeks, and I'm on a road trip across cross country and have stopped in Vegas for a little while, and I'm enjoying it. It's beautiful weather. Two weeks in Vegas? Yep. I never wow. met anybody. It's either like two days or they moved there. Mm-hmm. I never met anybody who's like spending the, that median amount of time in Vegas. It's like, what does your, does your brain get confused often about like what you're supposed to be doing? Yes. I am in this weird in between. I'm, I'm playing a lot. There's a lot of fun, uh, playful energy that's happening, but I'm going to be here for a couple more weeks. My birthday is the first week of April and then I'm headed to San Diego mid April. So I'm, I'm going to hang out for a little bit longer. It's a beautiful city and there's a lot to explore and I'm enjoying being a little bit outside of the strip and seeing what what normal people uh, do on a day-to-day basis out here. So Vegas is notorious for so many things. One of them is not romance, I would say, like anything that sticks. It's like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. So that begs us the question, are you single, taken, or it's complicated? (laughs) It's a complicated answer. Um, I am single, and it's complicated. Oh, that's oh. a new every t- we've been getting new ones for the past like five episodes. We've been yeah. getting new answers. There's a new spin going around in 2022, but I'm excited to hear what this means. Yes, yeah. tell us what this means because it's complicated. Usually means that it's on again, off again. But tell us for you why you are single and it is complicated. Yeah. Yeah, for me, um, I actually haven't really publicly shared about this too much. So you guys will be hearing it first. (laughs) Um, So I was actually, I got married in 2020 and um, at the end of 2021. So we were married for two years and we went through a separation at the very end through the holidays of last year, um, which sort of sparked a lot of transition and a lot of change. And so when he and I decided to make that, um, that formal and, and have him move out and move in our separate, separate ways, um, I actually was going to just change apartments. And there was a lot of stuff that went down with my apartment complex unexpectedly, which is what catapulted me into this crazy road trip unexpectedly. So yeah, I'm single, but I'm legally still married. <laughs> so okay. it is, it's complicated. That is, yeah. com- that's the, that's like law involved complicated. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but also exactly, it's probably complicated because you just went through a pandemic, you were married and then you're separated, you're moving. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of changes are you even open to dating? Do you coach yourself into dating again? Or you're like, I'm taking a time out. Coach yourself into dating. <laughs> it's a thing. Um, no, I am. My heart's open. I am. I'm ex- ready to explore that. I think it's with a definitely like a different frame of mind and um, coming from a different heart space because our, our relationship started, I guess we kind of got propelled into marriage in a sort of 
unconventional, crazy way. And we got married right before the pandemic hit. And I had just started and launched a business and I was selling a house at the time and there was a lot going on. So um, you're right. There's There's been a lot of transition and a lot of change. But I think, interestingly enough, both of us in varying degrees, like, grieved the relationship inside the relationship. Mm-hmm. And so when we actually made the choice to consciously, like, uncouple and separate, I was in a different headspace than I would be if I was just going through a breakup that was unexpected. It was sort of something I had prepared for. And we really intentionally made that choice together. And so, yeah, I'm in a space of um, curiosity and exploration and I'm having fun right now and seeing what else is out there. Uh, If you're open to talking about it, I have some questions because like uh, so many people, look, either people broke up right before the pandemic or I, Jen and I talk about it all the time. I spend my weekends now going to one-year-old birthday parties. Like it's like one thing or the other yeah. happened, you know? So I know that I broke up two weeks before the pandemic started. Cause we looked at each other and we're like, we, we can't, we can't do this together for however long this lasts, mm-hmm. you know, or some people jumped in with both feet and said, let's just, you know, quarantine together and settle down all that other stuff. Were you guys together for a while before and then decided we'd rather not be apart was it a force together for the for the pandemic? And then you were like, fucking stop chewing so goddamn loudly in my ear. Get over that to that bedroom right now. I want to watch this. You want to watch this. Was it that kind of stuff? And then emotionally and in your head, you were like, because women are always know, I think, that women always know their the breakup's happening at least three months before the guy does. I think. Yeah. So for us, we had dated for about a year before we got engaged. We got engaged around the holiday season the year before. Mm. And um, he was actually from, uh, he is from Venezuela. So there was a whole immigration process was also part of this whole conversation. Mm. It gets more complicated. It is very complicated. So when we got engaged um, and we were celebrating during the holidays, I told him I wanted to go see a lawyer because I wanted to see how our marriage would impact some other legal stuff that he had going on. And I just was new to the whole thing, wanted to understand my role in it, how I could support and understand what was happening. And um, she uh, looked at me and she said, you should marry him. If you love him, you should marry him now. Um, Very, very straightforward very to the point um, after all of the details were sort of hashed out and after she looked at kind of what was going on with him. Um, So to say there was a lot of unexpected uh, decisions and big decisions that had to be made very quickly. Uh, There was a lot of pressure and a lot of intensity around the whole decision in general. And I think for me, and this kind of goes into a deeper conversation around how we define love, but for me, I kind of grew up believing that love was sacrifice on some level, right? And that if you could help someone you love, you should. I very quickly had to make a life-altering decision about uh, how do I navigate this choice that that also requires me to understand the lifelong implications that it has for somebody that I deeply love and care for. And so um, when we decided to get married, it was because we were 
we were really in love and we, that's what we had planned to do anyway. Um, it was just really sped up. And for me and Aries, very independent Ooh. traditionally, I don't like being told what to do. I don't like somebody like taking that choice out of my hands and like speeding up that process. So I had a lot to like process at that point, but ultimately the first year of marriage was beautiful during quarantine. And we were like going still in like that honeymoon phase. But what for us kind of got uh, revealed during that process and bubbled up to the surface was a lot of the things that brought us together were not sustainable long-term. They weren't, there wasn't a foundation that had been built that could withstand the storms and unexpected things of life. And so when we did go through a lot of those hard things, uh, I was looking for what could hold us together um, during that. And unfortunately for us, we have much more of a deep loving bond and friendship than anything else. And what I'm most proud of and, and like most grateful for is our ability to make really hard choices in terms of making like a conscious separation, but maintaining so much love and respect for each other. Um, and that's really hard to do when you separate and when you make a choice like that. And, um, I think it really just speaks to the growth that he and I both did, um, during that time and how the relationship was really meant to serve both of us and teach us, uh, more about how to be in, in partnership. Wow. So many things I think came from that, at least what I'm seeing is that you were able to probably learn way more about each other and your relationship because of the pandemic. So that also sped things up more so than it would have if you were not in like a confined situation that is surrounded by all sorts of circumstances. And then also from what you're saying, it sounds like it was in such a good place and you did get to mourn it that it does make it a smoother transition into going back into the dating world because a lot of people do have to repair themselves for sometimes Mm -hmm. years to fix all the problems that happened during the relationship. You. Okay. Thank you. Um, And so with that, you're now a single person in the world. You're in Vegas and you're traveling and you're doing all these things and you are a part of the community of people dating. So what trends do you think are coming from that? Because you went from being in a relationship for however many years and now you're out there in the world dating. How different are those two worlds and what are the trends you're seeing good and bad? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it's a whole new world. Let me just say that. I mean, I, before I even got married, I was like a serial monogamous relationship person. Like I'd been in long-term relationships and I tend to go deep with people quickly. When I connect, I, I like to like really connect. I'm not surface level. So dating for me has been a challenge um, in the past and it's already sort of um, showing me the same patterns that I have, which is I just, when I click with somebody, I click with somebody and I want to get to know them. And I, I'm intentional about where I place my time and my energy. And um, so when I do feel a connection, I'm I'm really clear about what I'm looking for, what I want and, and who I'm like enjoying spending time with. That being said, when I started this trip, I did get on the dating apps because 
for the fact that I knew I would be in cities where I didn't know a lot of people and I wanted to explore. I wanted to get to know people. Um, and in the first, one of the first cities that I was in, which was Sedona, um, I connected with someone who was also a solo traveler and it, we ended up meeting up and doing hikes and hanging out, but, and it was just a platonic friendship. But what I found is, um, there are just amazing people that like you can connect with. I think the hardest thing for me personally is because I do business online already to some degree, it's really overwhelming to have a lot of ongoing conversations with people and feel like you're continually having the same conversation with people. And so um, as much as I'm like, I'm on the dating apps, I haven't spent a ton of time actually engaging with them. So I'm probably the girl right now that seems to be ghosting everybody, which is like a bad trend. Like I'm connecting and probably not actually engaging too much. So anybody out there who's connected with me on an app, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm here. Just really busy, but I will get back to yeah. you. Yeah. You know, it, it, but see, Jen and I have this conversation all the time. Jen is on the apps. I'm not on the apps. I've, I'm an old school guy. I like to meet somebody in person. I like to have that initial kick in the gut. Yeah. I know when I want to spend time with somebody. I don't like dating. I like dating somebody if I like you. I don't like going and dating somebody to see if I like you. you Same. Know? Yeah. So, um, but, yeah. you know, you, from what I've gathered about you and your, you know, who you are, you're a foundation person, you're a mm -hmm. choice person, right? And it seems like going out and meeting people on in today's world and society with dating, you know, foundation something hard to find because it doesn't exist yet. It's like I, I made an example before that didn't go over too well, but you have to put, you know, before you start putting the, your house together in your mind, you have to, you have to lay down the concrete. Right. You mm -hmm. can't build things that go high. If you mm -hmm. only have a certain amount of, you know, six inches of foundation, yeah. you have to put, you know, three feet and do that work. Um, do you find that because you are in the profession that you're in, that you're going to have to go a little deeper with everybody else before you start meeting them? Or like, is the way that the world works right now going to be okay for you? It's a good question. I think, um, because of the world that I'm in, there's a couple things. I I know just, there's a certain, like, I think filtration system we all have for the people that we date, right, online. Whether it's you're looking for something in somebody's profile, it's hard. There's absolutely no way you can get a picture for who someone is based on their online profile or something like that. And so you have to just do your best. And there's like either some kind of energetic connection, there's something that sticks out about them. And I've even been like, I was pretty really intentional about like what I put it on, put on my profile to actually express who I am or the things about me that I actually want people to know. Um, and I think for me, it's about, like you said, finding some emotional or intellectual connection, something that like bridges a gap between two strangers that says, hey, like we have something in common that we can bond over. And although I can bond over a lot of things, like there's just some certain things that like that will get me, that get me interested. And 
some of those are like like intangibles. You can't really teach somebody how to do certain things or like how to approach somebody in a conversation. And so I think for, for me, it's been at least over the last few months, I've really been enjoying playing in the space of um, meeting people's friends and like just being introduced to people through people that I know, as opposed to meeting up with strangers. Not that I'm opposed to it. There might be a time and place for that. But right now I'm like really enjoying having someone else refer in because uh, yeah. that that gives me context for what I'm walking into. And if I know, if they know me, they know to some degree if it would be a match of some kind. Absolutely. That's like the perfect world that we would all hope to still live in. I think though, as we get older, our world's can get smaller. They can also get bigger because you take on jobs and you have different people in your Mm -hmm. life. And then you have a significant other who also has family and friends that they bring to the equation. So there's multiple people that could potentially be set up with you or set you up with other people. But also then at that point, there might be even a finite amount because they might all be married already, or maybe they you know all their friends. So I'm personally in that boat where I know everybody I know and everybody they know. And it's unlikely they're going to make new friends. I keep asking them all to make new friends. I've asked Rob a hundred times to go make new guy friends and set me up. Here we are. He set me up with somebody I already Mm -hmm. knew, which was like not that helpful, but I appreciated him trying. Um, But Mm -hmm. so in terms of filtration, which you mentioned, you coach people. Do you ever use like filter questions to see if somebody is actually coachable? And then from there, you're like, all right, well, I'll proceed or I won't because I wonder if that would also translate to you talking to people on dating apps. Like, is that somebody that I could actually open up with and get to know and peel back the layers? Or are they really guarded? Are they going to be tough? Are they stubborn? Are there any of those kinds of questions that filter people? And if so, Please tell us so we can all use it. Yeah, I think for me, I am very much an observer of people and their behaviors, their willingness to share their open, like their level of openness. So whether it's with a potential client or a potential partner, I am always sort of watching and paying attention to how much are they willingly sharing with me as opposed to something I'm having to ask or if if there's a conversation that's being had if I can tell their level of interest and like commitment to the conversation or like desire to continue that conversation and when I'm talking to a potential client and they're telling me hey I want to change my life or I want to make more money or I want to have you know a healthy relationship we can say all day that we want certain things but what are we actually doing about it to make that happen right and so I'm the same way in relationship. Don't I, I have a tattoo on my hip that says "Actin on Verba," which is actions, not words. So I'm really into how do you back up the things that you say? Are you consistent? Are you like do your words match your actions? If you are, is there some level of, of agreement that we have around? speaking on the phone or getting to know each other on some level, like what is your follow-up like? What is your, same with my clients. They say they want something. If I give them an assignment, 
am I going to have to track them down to say, hey, where's the assignment? Or, hey, did you do this thing? Or are they coming to me and saying, hey, I worked on this and I'm so excited to share this with you. And this is what I learned as a byproduct of going through this exercise that you gave me. That's what I'm looking for from our potential partner or somebody that I'm dating is that they're interested to the degree that they're excited to share with me what they're experiencing in our dynamic. And they're giving me that feedback on a recurring basis where I'm not questioning or unsure about, hmm, how do you feel about this? And it's reciprocal, right? We are, we are giving each other feedback of, I'm really enjoying this conversation. I would love to do this again. And, you know, let's set up a time to like get together or like get on a FaceTime or whatever. And that is what builds trust over time. When you actually follow up on the thing that you said that you're going to do, whether that's with yourself, whether that's with a coach, whether that's with somebody you're dating, and ultimately talking, going back to the foundation, um, that's how we build that that foundation over time. That makes so much sense. I mean, just basically in short, show up, like show up for everything that you actually care about. And then the things you don't show up for, well, those are obviously not priority. My favorite quote is, it's only far if you don't want to go. Because at the end of the day, you'll drive to the end of the world for something you want to do. Yeah. So true. And we, we all do that in our daily lives. So I think, uh, you know, I've been on these apps for a really long time. And what's really hard for me is people that match and then don't make effort. There's no momentum. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. lately, for whatever reason, I've like encountered a couple guys who've mentioned momentum and they're like writing me books upon books on the apps about like all of these things about them and me and my profile and what they're excited about. And I'm like so flattered and excited, but at the same time, I'm like, Oh my God, it's a book I have to respond to now. And we're having this thoughtful conversation that takes time and I don't have that much time. And then I'm like, Mm. hold on a second. What I want is to meet somebody. I have to make the time. So sacrifice something else and put the time into this. And it's actually been fruitful because one guy quickly was like, all right, enough back and forth. Let's go on a date. We can finish this Mm -hmm. conversation out loud in person over drinks and food. I'm like, wow, a real person who is ready and wants Mm -hmm. to meet me quickly because this is important to them. And now I'm like, all right. So there are people out there like that. I think seeing a glimmer of hope is helpful because- Mm -hmm being on these apps for so long, the world that you're playing in is not like any other. It's not like a business dynamic where you send an email and you get a response. Or when you make plans with a friend, you both want to see each other. So you make those plans. With dating Mm -hmm. and relationships on apps, it's all strangers. There's no context there. There's no momentum. There's no urgency. And you're just hoping somebody wants to show up as much as you do. So foundation is tough and you have to find ways to do it. Well, and I'm going to say, girl, you need to get on the audio message train. That is so helpful because if you're sending like paragraphs back and forth, I have adopted audio message. It has been a lifesaver. And it's fun to like hear somebody's voice and see like their tone and and kind of sort to feel their energy a little bit. Um, I'll say this, you know, one of the things, at least for dating apps, I was, again, I curated my profile in a way that really was a reflection of the truest sense of who I am and the things Tell that I, about I deeply profile. care about. I mean, I think I'm on a couple different apps, but talking about what I'm really looking for, but the things I'm also into. And um, I think 
what I choose to showcase about who I am and what I do. I do a lot of things, but I, I think on my, what it says that I do for a living, it says that I I coach, but I'm also a breathwork facilitator and I do a lot of other things, but I intended to put that because the people who are into meditation and yoga and breathwork and, uh, personal development to some degree, they are noticing that. And that is one of the highest values and things I'm looking for in somebody. And so it's it's helped that as a filtration process of, okay, the people that are reaching out to me, they're like, oh my God, you like, do you do this type of breath work? Or, hey, what has your experience been about this? We immediately have something that we can connect on that is really important to me that I'm excited to talk about and I'm excited to share about. And that takes us several layers deeper than somebody that's just like, oh, you're an Alabama fan, which I also am. But this is a little bit more niche and specific to them that they could point that out and that they're interested in that as well. So it's helping me to to like notice the people that are at least they're showing that they're have interest in the areas that I really, really like. And trying to qualify people in, which is folks that are interested in, yeah, working on themselves and uh, have a healthy lifestyle and all of that. And so that's one of the things that I've done that's helped me a lot. Before we continue with the show, we wanted to talk a little bit about Noom. Noom uses the latest in behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health for good. Through a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching on their platform to help millions of users meet their personal health and wellness goals. A lot of people face pressures to change themselves to fit other people's expectations, and the more freeing solution is to find things that work for you. Noom understands that everyone's weight loss journey is unique, and what works for someone else doesn't mean it'll work for you. That's why Noom's approach adapts to your lifestyle. It's flexible and focuses on progress, not perfection, allowing you to work towards goals at a pace that's comfortable for you. Noom Weight makes it easy to start your weight loss journey and stay on track with personalized lessons to help you gain confidence and practical knowledge, one-on-one coaching, and a cognitive behavioral approach that teaches you how to be mindful of your habits. 75% of Noom Weight users finish the program. And more than 60% of users that engaged with the program kept the weight off for a year or more. So start building better habits for healthier, long-term results. Sign up for your trial at Noom.com slash Believe. Again, that's Noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash Believe, B-L-E-A-V. Well, and you do work in mental health, obviously, breath work helps and you're definitely in that space, especially with coaching and everything, helping people every day. So you have a workbook that you offer that is actually free, which is like, hello, if somebody doesn't take advantage, then they clearly don't want help. But it's to be untriggered and get yourself Mm -hmm. untriggered. Can you tell us about that, how that came about? What are the triggers we can untrigger? And like, when does somebody need this? Yeah. So, I mean, I, here's the thing, you guys, I really believe like life is school. I'm the student and relationships are the test. Okay. That's where we get tested and relationships are meant to show us our 
walls and where our walls are is typically where our wounds are, where we are lack, like we're hitting our capacity to love, to forgive, to connect on a deeper level. And inevitably our relationships, our closest relationships are going to trigger us. They're going to bring up the parts of us that haven't maybe fully healed yet from past relationships or things from our childhood or whatever. And when we're triggered, it, we tend to look at our partner or someone that we're dating or someone in our lives and say, uh, you are doing this to me. You are upsetting me. You are the problem. You need to stop making me feel this way. Right. And, and we, we take on this role of victim and we think that our pro our, our partner is the issue when really, if we are willing to get curious and we're willing to see it from a different perspective, we can see that, oh, there's something in me that's getting activated based on this comment that they just said, or based on this specific tone that they just had. And so what I learned from, from my mentors and coaches throughout my journey is how to go within when I'm triggered and actually identify what's actually happening within myself and where is this coming from? Why am I so irritated? Why am I so offended? And how can I work with it instead of making my partner wrong? Instead of shaming and blaming them and getting into this, this dynamic where now we're looking, we're not partners anymore. We're, we're adversaries. Now we're like on the other team. And if you can stay on the same team and work against the issue, that's that's great. So yeah, there's uh, a workbook that I've put together that will just take you through a series of questions that you can answer and fill in the blank when you're feeling activated or triggered um, with anybody in your life. It doesn't have to just be a romantic partner. And it's incredibly helpful to see right in front of uh, in front of you, like what is really happening? What is this really like bringing up for me? And I can now share with my partner what I really need and why I feel the way I feel in an educated, healthy, compassionate way instead of making them my enemy and putting them on another team. And so we can really go at this together instead of um, having this like separate us or, or distance us even further. And so that's what I wanted to do for people um, is give them sort of a roadmap for getting to the core root of what's really going on in their, in their relationships. I think that's awesome. Also, I just want to say that for the podcast listeners, I didn't realize that I was on mute for the past 20 minutes because a fire truck was going by about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> so everybody listening is probably like, where the fuck is Rob? Welcome Why back. is he calling out Jen on like 18 million things right now that she's fucking talking What is there about? to call? You don't have to call me out on everything I say. You could also agree just any of the times. Well, I, I could have stuck up for myself with the uh, with who I set you up with and why. But the thing, <laughs> I, the thing, the thing that I that I like about this workshop or this workbook that you have is that well, I have, I have a twofold thing going on here because a it's experience, right? It's experience in life and dating and everything that you realize. Like some of my favorite quotes are, you know, what makes us human is our ability to choose. Yeah. Right? So we we choose our emotion. We, nobody gives us emotion. We choose our emotion. And the other one is the Gandhi one that I love, which is no one can hurt you without your permission. Mm -hmm. Right. So it, it's like taking the power back on these things and then learning. Not everybody's out to get you. They're dealing with their own shit. They got their own stuff going on. It doesn't mean that they're, you know, that, that they're doing something to you. It's just they're not knowing how to handle themselves yeah. too well. 
with your workbook, I think it's amazing because I think it's great that somebody can go, you know, 10 years ago, me, if I was having a fight with my girlfriend, it would have been nice if I could have thought something in my head, gone to the room, got out a workbook and gone through the questions and being like, what's important in this fight right now? Mm-hmm. You know, but is it something that my girlfriend at the time would have had to have also like, do, does she need, do I need to hand her her workbook? And then I take my workbook and I'm like, you go to your room. I'm going to my room. We're doing page three to five, <laughs> get it done. And then we'll come back and have this conversation. Yeah. It's, it's not necessary because here's the thing. What I've found is that a lot of times in relationships, somebody's willing to do the work and they're like ready to work on themselves and look at what's going on. And sometimes your partner's there with you and they're also doing that. Sometimes you're not. And so I'm not, it's not a requirement that they have it. And it's not a long workbook, you guys. It's like two pages of fill in the blank questions. It's not a lot, but here's the thing. It's really meant to help you understand yourself because a lot of times our triggers, we look at, at our partner and we think, again, they're the problem. And so what it does is we shut down and we repeat an old pattern of survival. And I'm just going to give you an example from my previous relationship when I used this exercise to help me. My partner said, made a comment about the dishes, right? And he said- About dishes? The dishes. Yeah. Not being like sitting in the sink. And for whatever reason- I got triggered and I'm like, all of a sudden I'm like, so when I heard him say that, what I was interpreting that as is you're not doing enough. You're not a good wife, right? Uh, You need to, everything should be spotless, right? All the things that I was projecting onto the situation and, and how I was interpreting his comment, which was none of what he said which was nothing, no fact like of the matter. And so we were having a tiff and I could sense that I was really upset about this for for whatever reason. It was like blown out of proportion. And typically when you're having an emotional reaction that tends, that feels blown out of proportion, that's the moment you want to go to like, just take a breather and go through this exercise. So he went and took a nap. I went on a walk and I was like, I've got to figure this out. Like what the hell is going on? Why am I so upset about this? And I went through this exercise and what I realized was that what that comment was triggering something in me from childhood that felt like I was never doing enough, that felt like I needed to be perfect, that I had to do it all, be it all, have it all together, that I couldn't make mistakes, that anybody's comment, like like a comment like that was bringing up something for me that was just like you're inadequate. And that was not his intention. That was not what he said. That was not rooted in reality at any, like to any degree, but that was my experience of it. And so this workbook allowed me to see, oh, this is reminding me of a time when I felt like I wasn't enough, where I felt like I was always trying to prove myself and work hard enough to be loved to be accepted. And I was always feeling like I was coming short, even when I was doing my best. And so what I was able to do through this process was really give myself the acknowledgement that, Hey, like I see you're doing your best. Like I see you're doing the best you can. Like 
this younger version of me that really believes that like I fucked up, like I did something wrong and that like because of that, you're going to take your love away from me. Like you're going to withhold that now or you're judging me as a byproduct of this. And one of my deepest fears is that, yeah, like I'm not going to matter. I'm not going to be enough. And so I was able to work with the root of it. And instead of trying to fight this, my partner who I love dearly and who wasn't at all trying to hurt me or hurt my feelings, he was just like a, just a random thing that he was talking about. And so it's really helpful on your healing journey of being able to see where did this get started, you know, and what is it that I really need? What is it that I'm asking for from my partner and how can I share with him? Like, how is this making me feel? And that opened up a space for us to have a really beautiful dialogue and conversation where there could be so much compassion and empathy and deeper intimacy because I could see what was happening in my own experience for what it was. And that was how all of this sort of was birthed because I was like, people need to know this, that there is a way to peel back the layers or like untangle this like mess and see what's actually there. And you and your partner can be there to experience that together in a, in a really loving, beautiful space instead of. Were you, were you able to, were you able to like come back from that and then talk to your partner yeah. and say, this is why. And then, yeah. and then he was able to now know that certain, this is a trigger. So maybe I don't say that in that way. And you're like, this is how you better communicate. Mm-hmm. Also how, like you're obviously an exception. I mean, you're teaching it. Right. And you have a lot of people that follow you that listen to you. How does, you know, a normal person in normal world be able to go and peel back those layers and Mm -hmm. say, oh, this is it. Click. That's what happened. Yeah. And then go in and communicate that when most people are going to be like, I'm right. I don't know why that happened, but let me go for a walk, but still not really be able to figure out what happened. Mm -hmm. Do you know? Yeah. Most of us say like, you seek stop. Like you just need to stop doing whatever you're doing. Right. Right. And like people just don't usually take responsibility for their side of the street and the things you show up to the relationship with. And then there's all sorts of blame because you'd rather do that than actually look at yourself. But it sounds like this workbook is super helpful if people actually use it. And again, that's again, show up, do the work. And that's what they mean by the work. Mm -hmm. It's like you, you're not a perfect person. And then when you have a mirror in front of you, you realize the cracks, but this workbook's yeah. the tip of the iceberg. You also have a relationship masterclass. Mm-hmm. Tell us all about that, what it includes, who it's for, and how all of our listeners can sign up because it sounds like you have a breadth of knowledge that we haven't even begun to tap into yet. Yeah. So I'll just answer Rob's question real quick, which is that, yes, you're able to, after you go through this, you're able to share with your partner like what's actually going on because what's in what this was birthed from was actually a script that was intended to be used to navigate conflict in partnership. So what can really happen is you could take the workbook and use it verbatim to have to like actually express what's going on with you if you wanted to. Um, And the way I encourage people to do that is once they fill it out, just really say like, Hey, there's something I want to share. Let me just share this. I can get it out. Um, because a lot, how many times do you go into a conflict or go into an, 
argument or you go into a conversation where you're wanting to share something and then it gets completely derailed. And then you're like, wait, I lost my train of thought. What was I going to share? I felt really good and confident about going into this. And now I'm. <laughs> and now you're like, oh, yeah, I hate you. Now I remember. Right. I, hate you. <laughs> right. I just encourage people to just like go through the extras and then ask for the, just the space to say, hey, like, can I share this? Will you listen? Because what you will find when you use this script, it, it's not just a workbook, it's, it's a script, is that what is it's all about taking radical responsibility for your experience. Never once in the script do you say, you did this to me. You made me feel this way. You did. It's all about what I'm making this mean is. What this is reminding me of is the request I have is instead of you, 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 you. And any, I will tell you, when you approach a conversation with your partner from that space of, hey, I'm going to take responsibility for my experience here. And yes, I have requests or have, yes, there's things I want to share, but I'm sharing it from the space of, hey, this is how I've interpreted it. And I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying this is my experience and I know where this is coming from, that's much more likely to be well-received than when we're finger-pointing. Right. Right. And so that's just one way to open that space up, and you can use this verbatim as a script with your partner if you wanted to, um, and it's been designed to do that. Um, to your point about the Relationship Masterclass, so we hear all the time, like, you can only love somebody to the degree that you love yourself, or um, I actually have had multiple um, clinical psychologists on my show, The Coachable Podcast, talking about this topic recently in relational self-awareness. You can only meet someone as far as you've met yourself. And so the Relationship Masterclass is meant to really give you an overall kind of sense for your relationship to three things relationship to self, relationship to other, and relationship to the divine. Um, Because we're relational beings, we have relationship to all things, like not just people. So we start with relationship to self and go into that. And because you, if you don't know yourself, you likely are struggling to understand what you really want Mm -hmm. and how to, how to show up in relationship, how to attract what you really want. Right. If you don't know your patterns, if you don't know your history, you don't know, you know, like why you are the way you are, likely you're continuing to repeat the same class over and over in in relationship school. FYI. So that's one way to think about it. So we start there and it's three different series. It's three different master classes that we go into. And I I take you into experiential um, learning through that for you to really connect with yourself on a totally different way. And, um, part of, part of that masterclass gives you the script version of the free download. So if you're interested, um, that's something that you can get through the relationship masterclass. The free download is really just the workbook, but if you wanted the whole script to have that whole conversation with your partner, um, that's something that you get in the relationship to others, uh, section of the relationship masterclass. And that's available if you go, um, I think I've given you guys the link, but you can go to ToriGordon.com as well and get it there. It's, it's interesting that you are, you're, what you're going through now and what you're teaching, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, 
um, what they call it, art imitating life type deal. But it's like when you were going through that, were you able to take the, you know, take those moments? You said with the dishes, but it's got to be so hard to implement like what you're when you have that kind of emotion because you went through something huge. Yeah. You know, it wasn't just a fight about dishes. It was no. a separation. Yeah. So like when you get to that point, at what point do you say my rope's out? Mm-hmm. You know, like I've implemented all these things. I know what I'm doing. I've taken the time back. I love myself. Now I have to take myself out of this, mm-hmm. you know, like where now, where do you start again at page one of your thing? Or mm-hmm. is this like now you're on, you know, you start on page six cause you've already figured out one through six. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think for me, it's really about my whole experience, my business, what I teach. I'm a student before first right. before I'm ever a teacher. I am, I am a lifelong student and I will continue to be one. And then I turn around and I teach the things that have helped me uh, grow and evolve. And I think with, with my previous relationship, what I, as I really worked to develop my relationship to myself, um, I learned more and more deeply what I really need, what Mm -hmm. my deepest desires are, how I need to be met in partnership. Um, and there comes a time when, you know, maybe intuitively there's part of you that knows, hey, this person isn't that person that can right. meet me in that space. Um, and a lot of times there's inner conflict that happens around that. We see their potential. We want them to, you know, we're like, we have belief systems that say, oh, you only get married once and there's, it's wrong or it's bad if you decide to, to separate and all of the judgment that we feel around that. So for me, it was a, a lot of working through my own biases, my own judgment mm-hmm. about the way my healing journey played out and unfolded and what that revealed, which said, hey, this has been a beautiful experience and a beautiful container for love and learning more about yourself and, and someone else. And love doesn't have to, like, love can expand beyond this container. Like, what if we could grow to a point where it didn't have to fit in this box? It didn't have to look like the way we think it has to look. You know, my my ex-partner and I have more love and respect for each other now than we did in relationship in many ways, right? And um, we've been able to maintain that simply because we were able to honor what was true for us, which is, hey, this served us for a while and now we need other things and we're not the right people to give each other that. And we we can make that choice consciously, not saying like, you should be someone you're not, right? You should be able to give me this thing that you're not able to give me. And instead I can say, I so honor who you are and honor what you bring and honor how you like love me and show up for me. And this other thing I'm choosing to, like I'm choosing to like, to not walk away from this love, but let this love evolve into a beautiful, deep lifelong friendship that we really respect and honor each other. And that to me is a representation of the healing work that happens when you take responsibility for yourself and your needs and you're willing to make choices that align with your truth and say, instead of sacrificing that for other people's opinions and what other people think of you or to save face or to make it look a certain way. 
And I've, I've thrown that out, like throwing the baby out with bathwater. Like at this point, yes, I I teach this stuff to some degree, but like I'm a work in progress. I am never going to say like, I have it all figured out and that I am like perfect. I am certainly not, but I hope my life is a representation and a reflection of radical willingness to follow your truth and embody your truth. And, um, I would rather follow someone who's broken than someone who pretends to have it all figured out. But Absolutely. then you go, you know, one of the reasons why, I, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why I'm still single. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, one of the, the things is like in my dating pool now, I'm 45 years old, about to be 46. And there's I've dated a lot in my lifetime. And now I know what I want and what I don't want. Right. Mm-hmm. And now I know like I've evolved and learned through these certain things. And I can see in somebody right away where I'm like, I already dated you. I already know where you're at. I know the space that you're at right now. I don't, you know, I've already been there. Good luck to you. Let me know if you need any help, but I'm not going to put myself in that pool Mm -hmm. right now. So like, you know, that gets, then my dating pool is still a great cold, nice swimming pool with a waterfall and nice, good stuff, but it's smaller. It's much smaller now, you know? So yeah, it's, uh, you take that and then you bring it into the next thing and then hopefully the next one. And then maybe you find somebody that's in the same path or same place as you as you know, far as like knowledge. When I decided there were, there was a long, you know, several months when I was in inner conflict about what to do. Um, if we were going to stay together or try to work it out, all the things. And there were so many things I haven't shared that, you know, obviously played roles at, at some degree, but um There was a, when I, when we both decided to separate, there was relief because there was clarity, right? When you make a choice, and I loved the quote that you shared earlier about what makes us human is our ability to choose. And I so agree with that. Like it is our superpower. It is our ability to create the life that we want to create by understanding the power of our choices and that what we choose is what we then like is mirrored in our experience. It's a byproduct of our choices. And so a lot of times when you, whether you're walking away from relationship that is seemingly great or good enough, or, you know, oh, you should just be grateful you have a man or that you're with this amazing woman or whatever. How many people just settle because they're like, you should just be grateful or you should and to, to honor the part of you that's like, yeah, but I need more. You know, like that's the hard road that most people aren't willing to, to like walk and it takes courage and it takes guts and a lot of people aren't going to understand, but I think it's just, you know, when, when I, when we made that decision, there was relief because we had made a choice. We were not straddling a fence anymore, but ultimately that's also when I fully accepted my, like that I I could be a I could be single forever and I would be fully okay with that. Right? That that I knew this really I wasn't a I wasn't staying in this relationship because I didn't want to be alone. Like I was fully embracing willingly being alone because and I also like that. Like I like who I am. I'm okay being in partnership with me and if that's the only, you know, me and the divine is like those are the two things that I work on for the rest of my life, great. Um, and I think yeah, when people, you get to a really place with yourself, when you get to yeah. that point with yourself, you start to attract different types of humans into your life. 
people don't get that. People think there's like this coupling that needs to happen. And we yeah. all want to share that with somebody. You know, we all want to have a partner. I was just telling somebody the other day that I love traveling by myself. It's one of my favorite things to do. Some of my happy places that I go to in my brain or me by myself, knowing that my family's all safe and cared for and happy that I can be by myself somewhere in like, you know, Berlin or Ireland, or wherever it is that I'm by myself, you know? Yeah. People are like, well, don't you want to have that experience with somebody? I'm like, sure, but I'm okay if it's just me, mm-hmm. you know, that person better enhance my experience and not fuck it up at all, yeah. you know, like otherwise, no, then I don't want them around. I want to be by myself. Mm-hmm. Everything's enhanced from now on. Mm-hmm. Enhance my experience. I'll enhance your experience. It feels like a very old school mentality to, you know, decide people have to couple up for them to be happy and for them to have a full life. Or you have to be a mom if you're a woman and otherwise you are not living a full life and you have to do this and you have to do that. And the have tos are so a thing of the past because now you can do a million things. Like for example, you're traveling across country, still working and doing things remotely and dating and doing all the things as a woman alone, you know, and that's something that was not safe in the past. And women wouldn't dare do those things without a man's supervision. And how dare we pay for things and all of that. How do you feel that this new world that we're up, like we're all navigating is affecting men specifically and their outlook on relationships with women, how it affects their, their masculinity. I I've personally been affected by it because I think they see me as this expert, if you will, on this podcast and they immediately uh, turn me. Okay. All right. Uh, at least I date Rob, but they look at me <laughs> like I'm going to be this teacher role for them or this expert. And then it immediately puts them either on the defense or they feel emasculated and they want to tell me about their money instead. And I'm like, Oh, please just be normal. Why are you trying to prove something to me? Like protect mm-hmm. me. Or just tune into the podcast up. and know that you're not a, you're not a professional. Just listen to the one of the podcasts and then they'll figure it out. And then everything uh-huh. will go home. Just listen, send them a podcast episode before you go on the date. And then you can, you can skip that whole conversation at the beginning of dinner. You can skip well, all of it. I was, I was thinking like, I was actually having a conversation with a guy out here in Vegas recently. And I said, I think guys like the idea of me, right? This idea Mm. of me that I know, you know, myself to some degree and that like I have certain like wisdom to share and that they like that idea. Oh, this girl, like she has her shit together and she's, you know, built this life where she can travel and she can have like location freedom and all of this stuff. And I think it's important to, for all of us just to like catch ourselves and be like, do I really like this person or do I like the idea of them? Because inevitably when we get up close with people, we start to see all of their layers and all of their multi multidimensionality and all of their, their like wounded parts too. And all like the parts of them that are still like a child. And the also, so to your point, I think it's like, Ultimately, in true intimacy, a lot of us are scared to be seen in those ways. The parts of us that are our representatives that show up on a podcast or like me, I show up on social media on my podcast and it's a version of me that is 
is deeply rooted and confident and grounded in who she is. But there are parts of me that are still working through insecurities, right? There's still parts of me that still are unsure, that are still asking big questions. And I think it's it feels really vulnerable when we get close to somebody and they see those parts of us that we're not as confident in or sure, sure of. And um, when it comes to men and their experience of me, you know, I'm not a man. I, I can't speak from the man's perspective, but I, I can say it is easy to get into a dynamic where you fall into the mother role, right? Where And it's like a mother-child dynamic where you're like coaching or teaching them through something. And at least for me, because of just the nature of what I do. So I tend to now that I've had that experience and I've kind of gone through those relationships, I know what to look out for. Um, because yeah, that's one of the red flags for me where it's like, you're trying you're putting me on this pedestal. Cause I know I can't live up to that. Like I am an imperfect human. I do not have it all figured out. And you will quickly realize that I just like everybody else am working through my own triggers <laughs> and I am, it's a practice. It's a practice of going to the tools, whether it's a workbook or breath work or meditation or whatever, therapy, like use the tools that you have. And it's a practice for all of us. But um, one of the big things is just like, know yourself, know the dynamics that you tend to fall into um, and n- notice your experience and when you're doing that. And and again, it goes back to choice. Are, am I choosing differently? Am I willing to choose to do something different than I've done before. Um, because that's where the growth happens for sure. Yeah. And also, I mean, just picking, but also then acknowledging the fact that the gender roles are changing. Like you are this badass coach that's doing whatever she wants. You know, you can live your own life and be independent now and you choose independence over having a partner. If it's not the right partner, same with me. And I, I oversee a bunch of people at work and I do a big job. And I think between that and the podcast, it can be a little bit scary. So I mm-hmm. want to, in theory, date somebody who also has a lot going for themselves and feels confident in who they are. But I don't know if maybe it's also the nature of LA or what's happening with gender roles, but I'm seeing what feels like masculinity is in question at least for the person with the masculinity because they're like mm-hmm. how can i reassert myself as the man in this dynamic what do you think about what is healthy today what should it look like what is considered healthy masculinity and what is considered like old school ma- masculinity or like they've teetered onto the mm-hmm. other side entirely hmm Hmm. I would love the man to answer this yeah, question. Yeah, conversation, answer this question before I give my two cents. Well, I, I think that the question itself is is kind of um, historic, like not historic. What's the word I'm looking for? It's it's in the past. Archaic. You know, the, archaic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the <laughs> not historic. Well, yeah, historic too. But yeah, it's, yeah, I think the question itself is archaic. You know, I mean. We talk a lot in this podcast about, you know, where we fit in in today's society as far as, you know, I'm raised old school. I'm very, you know, open the door, pay for the dinner, that kind of stuff. Like I'm like, that's just the way that I was. I was raised by a Southern father. That's just the kind of life that I was brought up in. And, 
Now I don't know where that fits in today's society as far as the, do I, you know, am I supposed to split the bill? Am I supposed to let them take an Uber because they might not feel safe? They don't know who I am. Another reason why I don't go out with strangers. But like, I, I think, Jen, if you're getting that kind of response from people, maybe change something up in your profile or change something up for what you're looking for or accepting, because there's a lot of guys out there that aren't trying to prove themselves or like, you know, whip their manhood out every time you say you have a job or you're busy. I yeah. think maybe you're, maybe it's just like the people that you're actually going after that are on dating web apps. And then maybe in their profile, they say something to the point of like, you know, make $500,000 a year or like I don't, you, maybe what they're putting, maybe you look a little more closer to what they're saying on their profiles before you go on those dates. And then that won't happen. I don't know. I think you're right in, in the terms that like generals are changing. Women are much more like empowered to choose like what do they really want? Like for me, again, I'm choosing, I would cho rather choose to be single than to be in a partnership that's not right for me. I don't need, like, the, the, to some extent, I think old, the patriarchy, like, gender role in terms of, like, alpha masculinity or whatever is threatened by women who don't need men, right? I don't need a man. I don't need anyone. I choose to be in partnership with people, like you were saying, Rob, that enhance my experience. Um and I always sort of my rule of thumb is I with anybody, friends, coworkers, potential partners, people I'm dating, I'm like, does this person add to my life? Do they energize me or do they pull something away? Do they drain me? Do I feel like it's work? Does it feel forced? Um, and I think there are a lot of these things that are just whether they're spoken or unspoken, Maybe they're the intangibles. Maybe they're the things that like you can't really put your finger on, but you're like, this it just feels off. Or the way they just asserted themselves in this way just feels like a little like performative or something, trying to like make sure that you know that they've got something to offer. Here's the thing. It's like somebody who has a lot of money doesn't need to flaunt their money. Right? right. Like the <laughs> same, the man who is secure in who he is doesn't need to overly show that he's confident in who he is. Mm. And um, I think there are so many men who are doing the work. I have been like pleasantly surprised in um, recently and how many men have shown up in my experience, whether they're friends or, or, clients, I work with a lot of men who are really dedicating themselves to like working on their shit. And that's been so encouraging and exciting for me because I think a lot of times men get a bad rep that they like, they don't care about personal development or they're not doing their, like doing the, the work. There are, I think as women, we do get to be selective. We get to say no, we get to turn down invitations. We don't have to be available to everybody that's asking. And that's the power that you have as a woman to be able to say like, like I'm not available to every, everybody, you know, and I'm not necessarily interested. I don't owe you anything, but the people that get my time and my energy and my attention get it because you like, you have something that 
I'm, I really value and I'm really into, and I'm into exploring that, whether that's long-term or not. Um, you know, and those are the kind of experiences I'm looking to have is just. I think a lot of that's going to come up now, not to be everybody else in the world, but you know, this Will Smith thing that happened the other night with him slapping Chris Rock and, you know, but on Jada's behalf. Right. And I'm from Philly. He's from Philly. I understand the, I understand what it's like to want to protect, you know, and Mm -hmm. like how you, but like, obviously violence isn't the answer, but you know, she's such a strong person has kind of taken over that, their, their kind of relationship by a lot of people, like as far as it seems to a lot of people in the world. And it's almost like he felt like he needed to do something to prove himself. And I think this whole conversation about who needs who and who what is standing up and what's not and what is protecting and what all that other stuff is about to be completely turned on its head all like the whole because she hasn't even said anything and if anything she's like i don't need you to fucking stand up for me but also like we're yeah it's it's we're the, the lines are getting are disappearing the lines of like what gender should be doing or gender should yeah. be expected to do are just completely disappearing which i think is good I think well, it's I think the the difference in protecting, you know, in the way that I, I I would hope a man protected me is physically. I'm smaller. I am not gonna. I'm not trained for you know defending myself. I should be. We all should be. We should know how to defend ourselves. But I'm not. So in my mind, that is what they're there for. They're also there for sex. They're also there to. I'm the little spoon. And they should walk my dog at night. It's dangerous. Or walk with me and the dog. But like outside of that, I think in the case of Will. You hear Will, how her dates go now. You hear how the dating thing goes for her now. You're, okay. you're, you're All right, Rob. Thank you. <laughs> in the case of Will and Jada, I feel like what would have been more impactful is if he defended her honor in his speech about how he feels about his family and is protective (laughs) of his family and their reputation and whatever, because I think words move people and he's in a position of power and he had the microphone in the world's ear at that one moment. And instead we saw him open handed slap a man across the face and then win an Oscar. It was super jarring and confusing as to what the rules are these days and like what he felt the rules were. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, again, violence is not necessary in this case. He wasn't defending her in physical harm. He was defending her honor because a bad and really tasteless joke was made about his wife. So you're right, I think, Rob, that he had to assert himself in a way that looked like the man of the family and the patriarch. And it's like, calm down. You don't have to be the patriarch in that way anymore. Violent. You're not a caveman. We're not protecting people from imminent danger because seagulls are, no, probably not a seagull, like a pterodactyl coming down (laughs) to attack your young, you know? So. (laughs) Watch out for the seagull. Everybody protect us from the seagull. Here's what I'll say to that though. I think we're all interpreting it from our own through our own lens, based on our own personal experience, right? So everybody's going to see that thing, that, that, um, and interpret it differently in a million different ways based on the things we've experienced in our own life when it comes to violence, when it comes to being bullied, when it comes to being, not having anybody stick up for us or 
you know, vice versa. And so I think I have so much compassion for everybody involved because here's the thing, what it takes me back to is our triggers, like Mm. our triggers, right. And our triggers are deeply rooted in our wounds and the things that we've been deeply hurt by. And so what I saw that night was a man who has some things that he still is working through that have like deeply impacted him. And I think he even spoke to it when it comes to like his relationship to his own mother and defending her against his abusive father and not feeling like in one of his books, he calls himself a coward because when he was a child, he didn't defend his mother against his abusive Mm. father. But he also talks about the ways in which he is a lot like his father and how, you know, I think if we're willing to look at where again, do all of these things begin? They, for many of us begin in childhood and our relationship dynamics that start with our, our parents. And then in adulthood, they play out, they play themselves out on national television on major stages, you know, in the privacy of our bedrooms in the privacy of our homes, like not everybody gets to see into that intimate space of like, this is a, deeply wounding and triggering for me, but we did get to see that for Will and Jada. And I think it's a very human moment for all of us to recognize, like there are things in all of our lives that if you push that button for us, we will react. And um, it's a survival strategy. It's human nature to like, to act out in certain ways. I'm not defending or or like justifying what he did, but I, based on the work that I do, I do recognize that our reactions are just ways of coping and trying to survive in the world. And so if we can have some compassion for all of us and ourselves included, when we lash out at the people that we love, or we lash out at people who don't necessarily deserve it, you know, because when we do, a lot of times we beat ourselves up. We shame ourselves. We're like, why the fuck did I do that? Like I, sh- I, whatever. Can we be just a little bit more curious about like, mm, what is this bringing up in me that I get to be responsible for? And I get to look at, and we're all doing the best we can, you know, even folks like Will Smith, who is an icon and has been a legend to so many, like he's human. And we all, we're all trying to figure out like, and navigate these roles and how do we show up as our best selves? Because it can feel like a lot of pressure. It can feel like a lot of intensity. It can feel like this is the moment that I have to get right. And maybe as a child, I didn't get it right. Maybe as a child, I didn't defend my mom. And now this is my opportunity. And this is my moment to like reclaim that, you know, power and, um, and we saw how that played out and it's, it's unfortunate and it's, it's sad. And also it's just a reflection of how human we really all are and what we're all going through kind of day to day in the privacy of our own relationships and experiences that most people don't see. Absolutely. And I mean, we could talk to you forever. And I think, you know, to your point, we're all just doing our best, but if our audience wants to hear more from you and do better than their best, remind everybody where they can follow you on the socials, how they can coach with you, all of the good things. Yeah, I would love to. Um, yeah, you can follow me on TikTok and Instagram. I'm Coach Tori Gordon. I also run a podcast uh, that releases weekly on Apple and Spotify and YouTube called The Coachable Podcast. 
talk a lot about relationships over there and among other things. Um, but if you want to know more about me, you can go to ToriGordon.com and apply to work with me privately or in other scenarios. Um, and that's the best way to get in touch and get in contact with me. It's just ToriGordon.com. Thank you so much for joining us and everybody listening. Keep tuning in to It's Complicated, where we talk more dating and relationshipy stuff. And while you're there, please subscribe, rate, comment, and share it with a friend. We've been loving reading your comments. They're awesome. Thanks for all of that. And also, if you want to join the class of Master Daters, don't forget to follow us on social media at Complicated Show. And Rob, where can everyone find you? You can find me at Forever's Evers, F-O-R-E-V-E-R-S-E-V-O-R-S on Instagram. And you can find me at Jennifer Golden on all the social meds. Till next time, folks. Thank you for listening to It's Complicated. And now that we're going steady, come back next week for another date with Jennifer Golden, Lauren Leonelli, and Rob Evers. <laughs>